You are listening to the Spicy Chai Podcast. I'm your host, Mark Imtiaz, and my mission with this podcast is to bring you the voices of content creators who are just a bit ahead of you, people you can relate to. You can hear about their struggles and wins and learn from their mistakes so you don't have to make the same mistakes. My hope is that this podcast inspires you to start putting your voice out there and creating content consistently so that you can make the impact you want to make with the skills you already have and start creating the life you want to live. So grab your cup of spicy chai and let's get this show started. Hey, yo, what's up? Welcome to episode 22 of the Spicy Chai podcast. This podcast is to make content creation fun, easy and less stressful for you. In this episode, I have a conversation with Terry, who is an expert with everything voice technology. So I'm talking about Amazon Alexa, Siri, Google Home, etc. And Terry and I chat about the importance of voice technology and why new creators should hop onto this opportunity now. He talks about his first paid speaking opportunity, and he shares details that you can use to become a paid speaker and three steps people can use to optimize their content. And now go and enjoy the episode. For content creators, it's so important to be thinking about your voice presence right now, your audio presence, and what that means going forward. Because content creators that are thinking about that and are optimizing for that are going to be that much further ahead. Today's guest, the man who's teaching us all about voice technology since 2017. He started in 2017 with his Alexa in Canada podcast, where he documented his journey learning about Alexa. How cool is that? So today, he's a keynote speaker, a podcaster, an author, an educator, a performer, and leading authority in all things voice technology. And I'm not even going to get into the awards that he's won because we're going to be here for the full hour today. His social media presence, just to name a few, 3,000 plus followers on Twitter, 1,000 plus on Instagram, 6,000 followers on Clubhouse. Yes, Clubhouse, that's just the news platform. And aside from that, this is not even his full-time job. He is a sports and exercise physician, and he is a father and a husband. Wow. Welcome to the show, Terry. Oh, wow. What, a, what an introduction. Thank you so much for, for being here. Oh, I'm humbled by that. Uh, it's a pleasure to be here. Excited to talk about all this stuff. 100%. And I know before we started recording, I already told you, like, I'm fangirling right now. Um, I'm very excited. And I have definitely heard your story through your podcast, through being in your clubhouse rooms. But for the listeners, what is your story? What got you into voice technology? Great question. So, um, I, so I should say, first of all, I'm a physician. That's my job, as, as, as you mentioned. Uh, that's my day job. And, uh, but I've always just really, really loved technology uh, ever since I was a little kid. Like I would play with, like the, my favorite toys were things like building radio control airplanes and all this kind of stuff. Um, and so um, I also, I tend to be a very creative person. I've been a musician since, since I was very young. And um, over the years, I've always just been involved in technology. Uh, before medical school, I did an education degree. So I'm very interested in, in teaching as well. And about three years ago, uh, I first became aware, is it three years, four years? I'm losing track of the time, something like that. Yeah, um, four years. Yeah, four years now. Um, thank you for, uh, now I know. <laughs> I appreciate that. Um, so uh, I became very interested in voice technology and I started diving into that area. And the more I learned about it, the more I realized that this is a huge shift right now, a paradigm shift in the way people are interacting with tech. And it's going to change the way that we interface with computers in all different areas of our lives and all different verticals and all different industries, et cetera. And I kind of went down this rabbit hole of, of voice tech. And the more I learned about it, the more I was interested. And that's sort of what started all of those resources that you were commenting at the beginning, the, the blog, the podcast, et cetera, 
really to educate people about what's happening with voice tech. And, and that's a very interesting part because you took one piece of it, like a very specialized Alexa, right? And you kind of really just dug into it. You documented your whole journey. And that's kind of where I think it all started. Is that correct? Or were there more pieces to that? Yeah. So you're absolutely right. The, the first, my kind of first real interaction with voice, if, if you, if we can put it that way, was yeah. through Amazon Alexa. Um, at the time that I started my, my first blog, which was the Alexa in Canada blog, now been renamed to voice in Canada to yeah. sort of be a little bit more broad. But when I started it, Alexa actually wasn't even yet available in Canada. It was, I, it was actually in, yeah. <laughs> so there you go. It was only in, in the a, States. Like, uh, it's not available yet. It's in the States. <laughs> I, I, that's exactly right. And, yeah. and so just the way it happened though, it was, I think it was in within like two weeks of launching my blog that then Amazon made the announcement that it was coming to Canada. And so it was just like this amazing timing. And, but I just, I just knew, I mean, it was just a matter of time till it came. So I started, I, and I was so interested in it that I started documenting it anyway, even though it wasn't yet available to, to Canadians at the time. And of course, since then things have exploded. They really have. I mean, I'm an Alexa user as well, Siri, Google, I think all of them kind of a mixture of all. And on the topic of Alexa, what is one of the most common myths about voice technology that, you, that you've come across in all of your years? Yeah, that's a great question. I think one of the most common myths would be people think it's just for listening to music. They think of it sort of as just like this glorified kind of radio or something like that. But there's so much more to voice assistance than that. But I think that's similar to like when any new technology comes on, you know, it takes a while for those really sophisticated use cases and, and applications to develop. It's just like with a mobile phone. When it first came out, the applications were pretty simple. It was like, you know, oh, it was really cool. We could turn on a flashlight app and we could use it as a light. <laughs> and, you know, of course, since then we have things like Uber, you just like, you know, you know, you just get a car and you drive wherever you need to go through your, so it's the same kind of thing with voice. It starts with, um, you know, simple applications, listening to music, uh, setting timers, that sort of stuff. And I think a lot of people still don't realize that there's so much more you can do with it. That's true. And like, if you take it back for beginner content creators, people who either have not started creating content, people who are just in the beginning of their journey, how soon can they hop onto this voice technology uh, plane, would you say? Um, so for content creators, I mean, they, they can, yeah. they could get involved right now. There's different ways that you can create content for, for Amazon Alexa in particular. So one of the things that you can do, I actually just, just like literally this week, a couple of days ago, I gave a presentation on yeah. sort of voice marketing 101. And what I did was I kind of broke it down. I think there's two main ways that you could start to create content as a content creator for, for Amazon Alexa. So one of them is through native audio content, similar to a podcast right? known as a flash briefing. And so podcasters will be very familiar with the, obviously the process of creating audio. And then there's, there are a couple steps you have to take, but there is a way that you can get that audio content onto Amazon Alexa, and then people can listen to it very easily. So that's one kind of way that a content creator could get content on there. The other way is kind of getting back to what I was saying before, is that you can actually create what is equivalent to apps on a mobile phone. You can create skills on Amazon Alexa. And these can be very simple. They can be built on templates that are free that Amazon provides, all the way up to very sophisticated skills that require some custom coding. So there are different ways and it depends how much time, energy, skill, and money you have to invest in those, in those skills. Right. And, and that's what I would, was going to go to next. So if so were someone who's starting out, let's say someone who's just started a podcast, someone who's just started a TikTok, would you recommend that they do touch the voice technology thing fast? Or would you say that they should wait a bit, create content for a few months and then look into that? 
Um, I think the sooner you get on voice tech, the better, because that's the way the future is going. Right. Just the same way, again, 10 years ago, it, there's a lot of similarities between kind of the evolution of voice tech and, and, and the adoption compared to mobile phones like 10 years ago. Because those those content creators that really optimize for for mobile, whether it was through like their website or getting on there with with apps at the time, like they kind of had a leg up on the competition. And so I think it's the same now uh, with people that are taking advantage of the voice tech opportunity right now, because you're going to get in there a little bit quicker. You're going to get the experience and then things can can build from there. And if we were to break that down a little bit, let's say I have a podcast where I'm interviewing you and I want to go into and really tap. Uh, Amazon Alexa flash briefings. How much time and energy would I have to put up just to get started? So a- as a podcaster, I mean, you're, you're doing a lot of the work already because as, as I tell everybody, you know, they're, the, the biggest time commitment to creating flash briefings on Amazon Alexa is not so much setting it up on Amazon Alexa. It's just creating the content um, right. and being consistent with that. So podcasters already have a leg up there. So maybe I should just break down the flash briefing a little bit more. So it gives your listeners a little bit under a little bit better understanding. So a flash briefing is basically a native piece of audio content to Amazon Alexa. They are typically approximately two minutes in length. I've surveyed my audience about this and that's the length that they like. So they're very short. So that's one thing. If you're a podcaster, you would either be wanting to, you know, condense your, your content to about two minutes in length or take out like little snippets from the content in two minute bite, two minute bite size pieces. Just, as an aside, the, the actual limit that Amazon puts on for flash briefing length is nine minutes, but a lot, but nine minutes is actually too long, according to many of the listeners of flash briefings. Right. So what you do is you would, you would get to your audio content. Then it's a matter of going in to create an Amazon developer account, which is free. And then you follow some steps to, you know, give your flash briefing a name, a description, you put in some keywords. So it's, it's more easily searchable, create a little icon for it. And then you're basically plugging in the, the link to your RSS feed. So podcasters will be familiar with this, but basically it's, it's the link to where you are hosting, where you are uploading your audio files. And I'm, I'm simplifying things a little bit here, but that's kind of the yeah. process. And then once that's done, you submit that to Amazon and they are usually relatively quick at approving it. And then it's live on Amazon Alexa. So that's, that's kind of the, the process involved. It's, uh, like I said, for podcasters, it's it's not a big leap to go from podcasting to doing a flash briefing. Right. And and I would say even, um, let's say for video creators, like let's say TikTokers, like the 30 seconds where they create videos, I mean, they could potentially upload even that for flash briefings, right? Or would that be a bit different? Yes, the the audio part, the video, because right. the video is, 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 it's a little bit more tricky with the video because it's not necessarily available to everybody through the limitations right. that Amazon does it, but you could certainly rip the audio and upload the audio as, as your daily episode. What's really cool about the flash briefing is once, once your content is on Alexa, well, there's a couple of cool things about it, but, but two of them that, are, that I think are really cool. Uh, one is that your content is now searchable on amazon.com. So oh, that's very cool. So if somebody yeah. like is looking for a particular topic and they go to Amazon and they're searching for a book or a product related to your topic and you strategically named your flash briefing in a way that it might be found in the search, it might be found, it might come up and then somebody can click on that flash briefing and all of a sudden they're listening to you on their Alexa device. So that's a pretty cool way to have some discovery there. And the other thing about flash briefings is that the users that are listening to flash briefings, they tend to listen to them during transitional moments of the day. So things like when they're getting dressed in the morning, brushing their teeth, 
because they can actually set up a routine with their smart speaker that say goes off at a certain time every morning and then it does whatever you need it to do. So maybe it like tells you what yeah, the weather's going to be. That's a feature I use as well in the mornings. Yeah, so you're very familiar with like that. The, the good morning. And then it just uh, gives you the weather, the news for me and a few flash briefings that are part of it. Yeah. Exactly. So you're the sort of prototypical user there. And that's right. how uh, a flash briefing can be brought into somebody's daily routine. That's amazing. And like, I'd like to touch on the piece where, you know, how you started this journey in 2017. Did you know what you were getting into in 2017? Like, was it just, I'm going to create a podcast, I'm going to learn more about Amazon Alexa? Or did you have a vision in mind, which you're now kind of really bringing to fruition? Yeah, that's a really good question. Um, When I started it, I really started it because I just, I love playing with technology. And as, as I mentioned, like, I like educating, I like speaking as a musician, I like performing. And so it was a really fun, creative outlet from my day job as a physician. And right. it, it, it really all stemmed from, and I still say this, this all, everything that I've sort of done in the voice tech space, it all stemmed from a passion, a hobby. And I just, I, but at the same time, I did have a feeling that if I just kind of continued to do this and just have fun with it and do a good job and provide value to people and, and educate people, that opportunities opportunities would come from it. And that's basically what's happened. And as you know, I've expanded this to a number of other resources and it's right. it's been a wonderful journey, but still, it, you know, I, I really consider it more of a hobby, a passion than my job because it's it's not my full-time job. Yeah. And you know what? You can tell that with your voice, with your podcast, even in the interview, like you can see the excitement, like you can tell that it is passion. And I want to break down what you said there about you started with knowing that if you stay consistent, you're going to eventually get opportunities out of that. So I want to ask that when you did start, what were some of the fears, initial fears that you started with and how did you get over those? Because a lot of people don't stay consistent enough and that's because the fears hold them back. So I just really want to touch on that piece. Yeah, you're asking great questions. These are really good thought-provoking questions. So the fear, you know, when I first started it, you know, and I think it's kind of that um, imposter syndrome a little bit. It's like, who am I to be talking about this stuff? At the time, there weren't as many people, certainly in the voice tech industry as there are now, but there were some that had sort of already established themselves, you know, podcast hosts and event producers and that sort of stuff. And I was like, you know, in my first couple of podcast episodes, I remember I was a little apprehensive about asking some of them to come on my podcast to be interviewed. And I was like, are they going to, are they going to have any interest in like talking to me? (laughs) (laughs) Um, But, but what I found was actually there, they were very generous with their time and, you know, they were, they were great. And I learned a lot from them. And it also actually created a lot of connections. A lot of opportunities came from that by interviewing these people in the voice tech industry. So I, I think that was sort of the, the biggest thing. But at the same time, I also knew, and and there's, maybe there's a lesson here for people. It's just that, you know, if you really are interested in something and you, and you sort of, you know, you spend the time learning about it, you, you can become an expert on that. Um, it just, it, it takes time. And over over time, you can continue to work on it. And I, and I think the key really is to do something that you're passionate about, because that's what kept me and still keeps me consistent is because I just love learning about this stuff. And it's just so much fun. You know, I, I, th- I don't, I don't think if I was, if I wasn't, you know, interested in as much as I am, like, I don't think I'd continue to to do it at the same pace or rate that I'm doing it at. So. Right. I can see that. And, it, and people say that when you grow, the fears remain, but they just change their names or they just change, change their faces. So what are some things that you struggle with today that you didn't struggle with when you started four years into the journey, five years? Yeah. How many years it is. Um, yeah. So another great question. You, you know, one of the things that I 
now now being four or five years into the journey, like there, I have so many ideas of things that I'd love to do now that I think could really be valuable to to people to help them. And, you know, part of the challenge with it now is finding the best ways to prioritize my time. It comes down to time management and making sure that I have time for everything. As you mentioned, like I, I have two kids, uh, I have a wife, family is extremely important to me. So that's something that I'm always making sure that, you know, is a priority. Um, what does that mean in terms of my fear? It's like, oh, am I going to, you know, now, now I've got responsibilities to people too. Uh, when it comes to the voice stuff, because I've got sponsors now for my show. And so I always want to make sure that I'm doing a good enough job and representing those people well who have invested some some time and some money into what I'm doing. So it becomes, I mean, it is being run more like a business, but it's funny, like psychologically, I still consider it a hobby. Um, yeah. And so I want to represent the people that are involved with what I'm doing very well. I guess, you know, it's a long kind of long-winded answer to say that, you know, my biggest fear now is that I just want to make sure that I'm continuing to do a good job and representing people well that are also investing in, in what I'm doing. I can, I can totally see that, especially because you said now you have sponsors and probably like the bigger you grow, obviously people have these expectations attached. I can totally see that. Not a problem dealing with yet, but hopefully soon, you know. So, and you said time management there and being like someone who's doing multiple things. And what I would really like to dig into there is first, how do you get clarity on what your next steps should be, especially when you have so many ideas? I, I think it all comes down to priorities and recognizing that there are certain things that need to be taken care of sooner rather than others. And I mean, you may, you may have heard other like entrepreneurs talk about this, but there's like different seasons in, in terms of, you know, your business and, and what, what you're doing, you know, and, and for example, Clubhouse is a great example of that, right? Who knew? that Clubhouse was going to come on the scene like this and just have so much engagement right now. And so I have shifted a lot of my time right now to Clubhouse because it is, in in my opinion, the perfect, the perfect social media channel for somebody that's interested in voice technology. I mean, it is all about our voices. Um, And so it just makes sense. And so a lot of other things that I've been working on have taken a backseat right now because I just see so much value in Clubhouse and how I can engage with people and teach people about voice tech and, and all that sort of stuff. So, yeah, I mean, that's a great example. I mean, I, I joined Clubhouse at the beginning of this year. I think it was January 3rd, I think. And I've spent more time on Clubhouse than I have on any other social media platform ever just because of the nature of it. And I can see that. And you you said priorities, depends on priorities. Could you break that down a little bit? Like, how do you figure out your priorities? Is it through a business mentor? Is it through uh, doing a vision board? Like, what does that look like for you? For me personally, uh, and and th- <laughs> this may not be the best, I may not be the best person to answer this question, to be honest, but all I can say is from my personal opinion, my personal opinion is it's a lot of it's based on my calendar because I, I look ahead and I see, okay, there are these particular events coming up. There are these particular opportunities for me to speak at. There are these. And then I kind of think how I can leverage those, those touch points, those opportunities that I'm going to be involved with to provide value. And to also provide promotional things that will help expose people to what I'm doing. So maybe a good example is, so I was asked to give a presentation just this past week, as I mentioned, as part of a voice tech online conference. And I thought, how can I use that to provide some true value to my audience, but at the same time, do it in a way that provides a resource that I can then continue to grow off of in my business and what, what I realized, again, this kind of comes back to Clubhouse, is in Clubhouse, I was getting a lot of people asking me, how do I get started with voice technology for marketing? Right. And so I realized I needed to create a resource for people to understand that. 
And so when I was asked to give this presentation, I thought I'm going to give a presentation on voice marketing 101. And so what I did was I did create that presentation. I recorded it. I have it as a YouTube video. And now when I get that answer in Clubhouse, I can refer them to that particular video. So I was kind of killing two birds with one stone by giving a presentation and also answering my audience because I was listening to them. And that was all based on the time that I knew that I was giving this presentation. So I kind of gave myself the deadline. I need to prioritize this particular presentation for this particular date because that's on my calendar. But ultimately, it's going to serve the, the online conference, but also serve the questions that I'm getting on Clubhouse. So hopefully that gives you an example, makes some sense. Yeah. And I love that. I love that because it's, I I loved how you approach it too, because it's like, how can I add value and how can I continue to add value? And it's like also creating resources depending on the problems that are coming up versus thinking about things and just creating it because you think people need it. So I think it's just really, really understanding what's needed out there. And in terms of time management, do you currently have a team helping you? And if yes, when did you first hire someone and who was the first person you hired? Like not like name, but like the position. Yeah. So I, it, it, that's another great question. Up until very recently, I was doing everything myself. Wow. Um, wow. And so it was, it was a lot of time. Um, I now have an assistant that helps me with a little bit of my social media and a little, and, and um, helping me with podcast notes. So blog posts and newsletters, but that, I mean, that's a great question. That's something that I, that I'm constantly thinking about is, you know, if in order for me to scale things, I need to get more help. Yeah. That's sort of the extent of the help I have right now, but it's something that I'm always great. thinking about. Yeah, it's it's one of the questions people keep asking, like, when should I get help? When, and also another one that keeps coming up is, when do I hire a coach? Do you have a certain coach? And what would your thoughts be on that? Coaching comes in different forms. I don't have a formal coach that I've hired, right. but I have some people that I respect tremendously in the industry and outside the industry that I consider friends and we we chat. And so it's almost like a little bit of a more of a mastermind type type experience. And also I'll say that, you know, a lot of the the stuff that I learned is I'm a big consumer of podcasts. So, you know, I will listen to uh, podcasters and um, although it's not direct coaching, I think there's a tremendous amount that you can learn from hearing them provide their value and their expertise to other people and even coach some other people. So yeah, I don't, I don't have a formal coach at this point. I definitely think that is valuable, but I have, I would say mentors slash friends that I'm fortunate to be able to bounce ideas off of them. I agree. I love that. And you are now currently also speaking. I want to touch on that a little bit. When did you get your first speaking opportunity because of what you were doing for fun? And how did that come about? Um, I'm trying to remember back the first speaking opportunity. I think it was a couple of months into when I started doing it. And it came about by um, inviting some of those conference producers onto my podcast and creating those connections and them sort of getting a sense of who I am and, and what I like to talk about. And then when they put on their events, they asked me if I'd like to participate in the event. And I think that was the the initial part. The other thing I'll say is for, for people that want to sort of get into speaking, you can put your name out there and, and like ask people if they're looking for speakers and volunteer your time. Because right. I can remember doing that as well as one of the early sort of speaking engagements that I did about voice tech was, um, I saw a particular conference coming up. I was interested in potentially speaking at it. And I contacted them and I said, hey, here's the thing that I speak on. Here's my area of expertise. They didn't really have anybody at the time that was speaking about voice tech. It was very new. And so they were interested and I just volunteered my time. What that meant is, you know, by me doing that, I came into that talk. I'll say I was very prepared for that. I knew I wanted to do a really good job f- for that. 
And um, other speaking opportunities came from that, from people hearing me speak. And so that was a way to kind of break into it as well. Yeah, I love that. And would you say that was because of the niche of, or would you say this would work for most content creators? Like just kind of searching conferences, obviously doing the work as well, trying to see how you can give them value and then potentially asking them if they need a speaker. Yeah, I think it does work for all niches. I may have had a slight advantage there because this is so new and there weren't really a lot of people speaking about it. So when I approached them, that was sort of unique. But even if it wasn't, I think if you've got sort of an interesting angle on a topic or there's something different that you can, or a different way that you can present it, I think that's got a lot of value too. So certainly like if you're a speaker about an area that an industry that's been around for a while, I I, I still think you should, you know, approach people and, and try to volunteer your time and, and, and do a good job of, of speaking. I agree with that. I think people miss a lot of opportunities by just volunteering their time. And I know I personally have learned a lot just by doing that. Like, hey, do you need someone for this thing? Sure, I'll do it. And then, as you said, like, go in and really give a lot of value. I want to take it a bit back there. And this goes back to your career as a physician and you doing this as a hobby. When you started like this thing in 2017, what is one thing you know now that you didn't know then that you would go back and tell Terry as someone who's doing a full-time job and doing everything by themselves from what I hear? What would I tell Terry back then? Um, perhaps get some help earlier. Like I was, I mean, that's something that I've learned. I did everything, as I said, for years, years. Um, and, and, you know, part of, part of the issue with that was, as, as, as I mentioned, like, I love tech. I love putting websites together. I love producing podcasts. I love like kind of pushing the limits and looking at what new technology and tools are out there. I love playing with different tools. Like I love doing all that stuff. But I think as, as you try to scale a business, you're holding yourself back by not getting some help with some of those things. And I, and I still, like, as I said, I'm still trying to learn to do that better, but I, I think, you know, trying to let go a little bit of, of some of the tasks that are involved on a daily basis, I think probably would have been helpful to me and, 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 <laughs> and still would be helpful to me. Yeah, I can totally see that. And that's the thing. It's one of those things where you don't know when to ask for help because you, for me too, personally, I love editing podcasts. So it's something people constantly tell me. They're like, you know, maybe you can get help with that and then you can focus your time somewhere else. And I'm just like, but I actually like this part. I actually enjoy it. I enjoy taking clips out. Uh, nerd here as well. <laughs> I, I respect that. I respect that totally. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I like learning. But when it comes to that, like when you're doing everything yourself, what are some resources that helped you? I know you spoke about mentors earlier on, but what are some other resources that really helped you along the way? Um, so in terms of doing things myself, like it, de- it depends on what we're talking about. Cause when it comes to podcast production, I would just go online and search for stuff. I mean, there's so, yeah. there's such a wealth of knowledge on there. Like, how do you, how do you set up a pod? Like when I first started my podcast, it was new to me too. Like I'd never done it before. So I just searched for YouTube videos. Like, how do you do it? And I taught myself how to do it. I mean, you could pretty much teach yourself how to do anything now right. with the internet. So, so that's probably the biggest thing. And then listening to podcasts. And then, and and like I said, I love playing with tools. So I would experiment with different things, even if like it's something as simple as like scheduling meetings. Like I use a tool, a very common one is Calendly. I've got nothing to do with them in terms of affiliate, but you know, it just, it just makes a lot of it easier in terms of having to go back and forth with scheduling things. So finding the tools that kind of increase your efficiency, I think are tremendously important. And I do try to kind of seek those out because I I recognize the value of those. Oh, hundred percent. Same thing with Calendly. Like the amount of people I've gone on their podcast and they don't have it it takes us like good 20 25 minutes to just set up a time to the point where i'm like why don't i set up the calendly for you <laughs> like you know it will be easier that way that's right um but love calendly as well and it's a free tool as well for everyone listening so anyone wants to use that i'm really really impressed that you've been doing this 
for four years, mostly by yourself, and you're managing all these different things. We spoke about some of your fears. We talked about some of your speaking journeys. And I really liked the tip of go search for conferences that are coming up and then reach out to them, uh, the producers, and potentially invite them to a podcast. Or you know what? Just let them know that you're available as a speaker. I, I really, really like that. I really like that you were so honest about the fact that you decide to hire help a little later and that you would do it earlier if needed be. If you were in my shoes today, what would you have asked yourself that I didn't? If I was in your shoes, so if I was interviewing myself right now, is that, yes. that what you mean? If you were interviewing yourself right now on a podcast for beginner content creators, what yeah. would you ask yourself that I didn't? Why is voice so important for content creators right now as a whole? Like, What is it about voice that is so compelling? I love that question. And do you mind answering that? <laughs> <laughs> sure. That was like a softball. I set myself up for that question yeah, by answering it that way. <laughs> um, yeah. Here's the little, little, the, the thing that I say. And, and um, if you've been in some, you may have heard me say this already in Clubhouse, but for the listeners, voice technology right now, I think it's a, it's, it is a huge paradigm shift in the way that we interact with computers. What we've seen, history shows that about every 10 years, there's a, there's a change in, the operating system that people use with, with computers. So as a kid, I remember coming home from school and my parents had bought our first personal computer. It was a Tandy computer from Radio Shack and it ran MS-DOS. So we put in a little floppy drive, we loaded it up. All there was was a keyboard and we had to type. There was no graphics, right? Approximately 10 years later, Microsoft Windows came out and then you could use a mouse. Approximately 10 years later, the iPhone came out and now you could use a touchscreen. And for all three of those things, though, for each of those mobile, uh, sorry, for each of those operating systems, MS-DOS, MS-Windows, and like a mobile OS, whether it's Android or, or iOS, um, you have to have a piece of hardware in your hand. You either have to be have your fingers on a keyboard, you have to have your hand on a mouse, or you have to have your hand on a, on a smart screen, on a touch screen. Now, here we are 10 years later, and because of the advances in natural language understanding, natural language processing, machine learning, AI, computers are, are powerful enough that they can just understand how we speak. And that's completely turned things around because instead of us having to learn skills and adapt to the way a computer works by learning how to use a keyboard, mouse, or touchscreen, the computers are now learning how we talk, how we in, how we communicate. And what that means is that we no longer have to have our hands on a hardware. As long as there's a microphone in a room somewhere and a speaker, you can interface with a computer. And so what that means is that kids today, they don't have to learn how to read or write to be able to talk to or interface with a computer. They can just talk to a computer. And then taking that a step further, there there are like five main reasons why voice is so compelling right now. And and you may have heard this V-O-I-C-E is the kind of, I use the five letters in voice. Voice is versatile. So you can multitask when you're when you're speaking with someone, right? You could be driving, can't be driving when you're texting. O is omnipresent. So the sound, it's sound, it's audio. So it's all around you. So with text, you have to be looking in a certain direction to be able to read it or consume it. With audio, it could be behind you. Somebody could be calling your name and you're aware of that. The I part is innate. So when babies are born, the first thing they do is they cry. And so it is completely instinctual for us to use our voices to communicate. C is contextual. Uh, so you can hear the emotion in a person's voice, but you can't necessarily tell the emotion in a text or a written piece of content. You might think someone's being sarcastic when they're not, etc. And then finally, E, it's efficient. So we can communicate three to four times faster when we're speaking compared to when we're typing. And so when you take those five reasons together and you realize that the interface is now different with interfacing with computers. That's why I keep saying, like, I think this is a completely different game. This is a paradigm shift. And more and more, we're going to be living in a world of ambient computing where it's just it's speakers and microphones around us. 
And that's how we're going to interface with computers. And so that was a very long-winded answer to say for content creators, it's, it's so important to be thinking about your voice presence right now, your audio presence, and what that means going forward. Because content creators that are thinking about that and are optimizing for that are going to be that much further ahead. I love that. Uh, thank you for a, asking that question and thank you for answering that. And <laughs> you talked about like the voice. I do want to dig into that a little bit. So for some people who want to optimize that, what would that look like? Let's say the first three steps for people who want to optimize that, what would that look like? So the first thing is thinking about, so first of all, it kind of goes back to what we were talking about earlier is you yeah. think about like, do you want to have some type of content on a, like on an Amazon Alexa device in terms of audio flash briefings? Cause that's an option, but you don't have to do that. Right. The other, the second one is thinking about, do you want to create like a custom skill kind of like, again, like an app. And do you want to have that sort of presence so that your audience, it's actually a way that you can kind of scale your voice because the audience, if you go that route and create a skill, the audience can actually talk with you through the speaker, even though you're not actually present. And so it's a way that you can kind of scale your voice and you can design that in many different ways. And the other thing I'll say is it's very important to think about the content that you have already online in terms of long tail searches, long tail keywords in terms of SEO. So if you think about how somebody would search for pizza off the top of their head on, online, they might just type in the keyword pizza, right? But if you're, gonna, if you're going to talk to a smart speaker and you want to find out where to order pizza, you're not just going to, typically a person's not just going to say pizza. They're going to say, where can I order a pizza? And that's right. critical because if you're going to want to optimize for search on voice, you're going to want to think about those natural ways that people ask questions and answer those questions on your, on your sites. Because ultimately when the smart speaker goes to try to retrieve that information, it's going to be looking for the matches to those questions. So it's much more natural sounding search type of queries. And so I think that's something that people want to think about in your particular niche, in your particular vertical. What are the common questions and the way people ask those questions? And then optimize your content for that because that's going to help for voice SEO. I absolutely love that tip. Honestly, this this whole conversation has been gold for me. So before <laughs> we get into our final question, Terry, where can our listeners connect with you online? So I'm my, my username on most social media platforms is Dr. Terry Fisher and it's about D-R-T-E-R-I-F-I-S-H-E-R. So that's on Twitter, Clubhouse, uh, Instagram. My YouTube channel is at youtube.com slash Dr. Terry Fisher. And in fact, my website, which has links to everything that I'm doing is at drterryfisher.com. And I think the one other thing I'll just mention is I do do this event called The Voice Den, which is the event that happens once a month. And that's the one that I was mentioning is I do have some sponsors, Amazon Alexa and Google Assistant are both sponsors for that. Uh, so big shout out to them too for their for their sponsorship. And uh, and I encourage people to come and join. It's sort of a casual, uh, fun, online reality type show event. And that's at thevoiceden.com. That's amazing. I'm definitely looking forward to attending the next one. I've attended to some on Clubhouse. So I've been part of that. And to our final question, Terry, you've been in this journey for four years. If you were to go back to 2017 and achieve what you've done in four years in six months, what are some things you would have done? Like if you were to go back, like let's say you got a magic wand, yep. you're able to go back and you have to achieve whatever you have in four years and six oh. months, what would you do differently? Yeah, that's, a, that's an interesting question. I, I would, to be honest, I, I would I would do a lot of stuff the same, but it kind of gets back to what we were talking about is that I would probably get somebody to help me as well earlier because you know it has taken me four years to, to do all this stuff. And a lot of it was doing the busy work as we talked about, creating the websites, yeah 
producing the podcast. And, and, and again, it comes back, it's the same issue, right? Um, I think in order to sort of have it happen sooner, you need to get some help at some point. So I think what's the lesson in there? I guess it's, it's a question of what do you want to do? What do you want to prioritize? Do you want to, do you want to just enjoy the journey? And you know, if you enjoy building the website, then do that. Like enjoy building the website. If you want to create your podcast and you want to enjoy editing the podcast, then Hey, enjoy editing the podcast. But if you want to like really uh, move things fast and scale quickly and grow your business, then you need to find the people that are good at that and uh, offload some of those tasks so that you can have more time to then kind of be the thinker behind it and then figure out what, what the next steps are. So that, that's what I would do to, to accelerate it. You, you would have to, or I, in my opinion, I think you'd have to uh, find some help earlier. I love that. Well, thank you so much once again for coming on, for being so authentic with your answers. Honestly, even for me, someone who's been following you for a bit, just a lot more clarity on how can I make the most of voice technology? Is it for me or not? So for those listening, I hope you guys got the same out of this interview. Thanks again, Terry. And we'll we'll hope to see you next week. Thank you so much for having me. This is a really fun conversation. Great questions. And I really enjoyed it. So thanks for the opportunity. If you are listening to this episode and are inspired to create your own podcast, then DM me the word podcast on Instagram at maruk.m.imtiaz. You will see it in the show notes as well. And I'll be happy to point you to some resources. Well, until next time, lots of love from your favorite. You got this beautiful. Beautiful.